Awesome. Welcome to Leverage Podcast. I'm Ari Mizell, and I'm interviewing solo today. My guest is Connor Blakely. Say hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for a while. I, I've, I heard about you. I, I met you. I'm fascinated by what you do and how you do it. And let's get started. Yeah. So I think a lot of people probably know who you are, actually. So you are 17 now, Yes. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm 17. And you are a marketing guru to companies like Sprint, and some other Sprint, big ones. And NPD Group and, and, a, and a bunch of other ones, uh, hopefully hopefully coming up soon. And, works. and you essentially are telling these really big companies how to connect with Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z, um, which is consumers born from 1995 to 2012. Um, America's youngest generation, like or the post-millennial generation. The post-millennial, yeah. So that's, which is, I mean... I'm 34, so I think technically I'm a millennial. Yeah. I think I'm more of a Gen Xer, but it's a constant argument that I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right, you've been doing this. I mean, you were an entrepreneur before you mm-hmm. kind of did this. So, how did you get into the entrepreneurial kind of lifestyle? Yeah. So, it, it's always felt natural to me. From the time I was super little, I was always. Well, like there's an infamous story like me grabbing rocks from my neighbor's houses and then selling it to my other neighbors and then having my sisters run lemonade franchising. Like like I would have my sisters run lemonade stands for me while I'd go inside and then at the end of the day come back outside and then go collect the money from all of them. And then it kind of hit a pinnacle in the eighth grade where I almost got expelled from middle school for starting a homework selling network in the eighth grade. Around the same time, I got diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, um, all, all of that entrepreneurism. stuff. Yeah, entrepreneurism, <laughs> right? And at, around, I thought I was stupid, so I go- and I heard, heard the word entrepreneur for the first time. It was from my dad. So I Googled ADD entrepreneur. Cameron Harold's TED Talk came up, Let's Raise Kids to Be Entrepreneurs. I watched that TED Talk, and then I watched a Gary Vaynerchuk video. I reached out to Cameron four or five times, and then I reached out to Gary, and I got meetings with both. At, at like 13 and a half, 14. And they really were models of some, like what society deemed to be stupid, but overcame that to be successful. And that was really powerful to me. So what I really tell people is all I did was follow their advice when, when I got on the calls with them. And, and now Cameron's been uh, a good friend and mentor and probably one of the most influential people in my life, uh, right along with Gary over the past three or four years. Um, so so at that happened, I started my first company, which was called Utepec, was just a social media company. Like we would just manage people's social media for them, reply to tweets, post stuff, schedule stuff, whatever. I did that for about a year and a half. And then we ended up working with Vineyard Vines and Mark Cuban companies. Yeah, like people like actually listen to me and like I can get meetings. So I was looking for my next like big move, like something I could do a little bit bigger. Me and my friends were outside playing basketball for like three or four hours. We come back into the garage and everyone, like my phone's dead as usual and I was drinking water. So I had the opportunity to observe all of my friends. The rate at which they were scrolling through Twitter was pretty mind-blowing and ridiculous. So I was like, is this a social media problem or is this a generational problem? At the time, I still thought that I was a millennial. So as I was doing more research, I figured out what Generation Z was. Why is no one talking about us? Like we, like I see the influence and the power and how much stuff we buy every day just watching me and my friends like why is no one really discussing this so i figured that i could leverage my age um and then my own cultural insights data and uh marketing expertise to act as a liaison between my generation and brands okay so that's yeah. that's a that's a very very small nutshell yeah. of what you're actually i mean what you're really capable of doing and what you're doing so first of all when you so when you started doing 
actually, even backing up further, what does a cold email from a 13-year-old yeah. to, to Gary Vaynerchuk and Cameron look like? Yeah, so I actually, a couple, like, I want to say a couple months ago, I went back and looked at the exact cold email that I sent to Cameron, and it, and it literally said, hey, Cameron, my name's Connor Blakely. I think I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm ready to start my first company. Uh, I've like I've been diagnosed with da 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 da. I saw your TED talk and it really inspired me. If I get a fifteen minutes, I really want to learn more. Something like that. And I sent that I think three or four different times. Didn't know what I was doing. I just figured that he'd reply one time. And then I'm um, sent him a couple LinkedIn messages and then got on the call. Gary replied instantaneously and got a 15- really to email. A, yes, to email when I was thirteen and a half and I got a fifteen minute meeting with him in New York, which was crazy. But and what was but, your goal when you went into that meeting? Uh, I so and it's funny I. Like, even now, if it's not, like, a sales meeting or a client meeting, I don't have a goal with the meeting. Yeah. So, like, for instance, me and you, the first time we got coffee, it's, like, I, all, all I did, like, I wanted to just learn more and, like, so act almost act as, as a sponge to soak up as much as possible. Um, so that's exactly what I did with them. I didn't – I just had a couple questions I wanted to ask. But usually if you ask a person one question, you'll figure out that that's not even the question that you should have been asking. They, they, sure. Yeah, their response will garner like more questions that will bring you more value. So, so what did you learn from that first meeting with Gary? <sighs> Honestly, I, th- I was thinking about this a lot too because a lot of people ask and it's like all I remember is him saying – you're definitely not stupid. And then kind of going on a tangent of like, da 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 like you emailed me, you're 13 and a half. Like, I can't believe I even took this meeting. Like, like I, like I, I like, I don't, I could have been spending this 15 minutes somewhere else, but I'm spending it here with you. Like that's something special. Like, and like that made me feel really good about myself. Um, and he was like, you, you're not in a place where you can give strategy or advice right now. You're 13. Like just do, just do like something very simple. Like very niche oriented, and I was like, you know what, that's true. And then Cam- Cameron was more of just like personal life, like you know what I mean, just like like how am I overcoming all of this stuff, in my personal life, and then business structure, like how much should I be charging these people every month, like if I am charging them, uh-huh. um, after all the free work I was doing for all these companies in the beginning. So it, it was really interesting on both sides, but uh, I I remember just leaving both feeling feeling like I was good enough to go out and like. M- do something like I feel like a lot of young entrepreneurs are looking for permission yeah when when really all it is is it's yourself like that was the mistake I made is I I didn't give myself permission so now what I tell other young entrepreneurs is give yourself permission you don't need a Gary or a Cameron just look in the mirror and just say yes you can and do it yourself so awesome okay so when was the first time you got paid to do marketing strategy uh, marketing strategy, uh, it was probably... Or you know, what you do now, basically. Oh, uh, what I do now, basically, I'd say probably a year and one-fourth ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was that long ago. But I... And here's the thing, too. Like, that was a super long process. Like, that was a lot of free work. And a lot of people... Uh, when they, they're like, I want to become an entrepreneur so I can get rich and get paid. And it was like, my friends are like, what do you do? Why don't you work at Dairy Queen? Like I do. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to like do this. And this is when I was like 14, 15. They're like, well, how, how come you're not making money? Entrepreneurs are supposed to be rich. I was like, well, I'm like trying to get experience so I can be rich. And that was like, I remember my first client when I was 14 was the, uh, the small diner across from my school. 
And it was literally just starting with them and then slowly getting bigger. Doing social media stuff? Doing social yeah. media stuff for them. And, uh, like, we <laughs> we did crazy stuff for them. And, like, it, seeing how much of an impact you can have on a small business really inspires you to just continue to want to level up as well. So. And how does school fit into this for you right now? School doesn't uh, yeah. fit in um, uh, at all in any possible way. Um, it's like trying to fit a circular peg into a square uh, fixture. It just—it's a complete mismatch to who I am. I like people always ask me, "Well, what, what do you think about higher education? Are you going to go to college?" I'm like, "Well, first of all, there's a difference between school and education." Absolutely. Um, 100%. I think I'm one of the most educated people in the world, and I read a book every week and a half. It's just that it's not No Fear Shakespeare or Beowulf, which are books they make you read in high school. And I, I, I did not do one homework assignment from sophomore year to senior year because the second I realized that I could outsource all busy work, which is what school is, I decided that I never wanted to ever do that and spend my time on money-making activities. Like, people say that the Beatles were super, like, 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 oh, like, we just want to make good music and vibes. Like, anytime they sat down to write a song, John Lennon would uh, look at Paul McCartney and go, let's write a swimming pool. Like, like, that's what I was asking myself every day. How can I get better? How can I learn more? And how can I, like, at the time, it was how can I get more experience? But really what that correlated to is how can I write a swimming every single day? Um, so school never fit in the picture. Um, I, I, and the other thing I tell young entrepreneurs who are just starting out when – you're like either 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. If you're just starting out, you should send 350 cold emails a day. 350 uh-huh. cold emails a day. I think that's to learn. That's more, to learn. Yeah. And you you better be thankful for the one one person that might reply out of that 350. Because that one person like can introduce you to their entire network. And for me, that was Cameron. So when I was 15, I spoke at Genius Network because Cameron invited me. Then that opened up a ton of doors. And then that opened up a ton of doors and so on and so on and so on. So don't take that one meeting that you get lightly. Like like it starts with cold emails and it starts with the relationship building. But you should never have the end goal in the back of your mind be like, ooh, I want to meet this person so I can get this out of them. Like da-da-da-da. Like that's BS. And like like I was telling someone yesterday – the one thing I've learned in business so far is there's two kinds of people. There's deal guys and then there's entrepreneurs. So the people who pick at shiny objects and want to take advantage of people and are just in it for the money, like whatever. But then there's like true entrepreneurs who really want to help bring value, change the world, and make a ton of money along the way. Yeah. So it's like those are the kind of people that you want to be surrounded with. So obviously it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big jump from getting mentorship from Cameron and, get, and Gary to then being like the kind of marketing guru yeah. for Gen Z for Sprint, mm-hmm. right? So like what, is, what does that look like now? I mean how do, what kind of things are you doing for companies like Sprint? So, yeah, we're do, so what I find is they, want, they think they want one thing and then they need 10 other things, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking to one client right now or soon to be client, which is why I can't say the name, but it's like a very, very large sports organization. They felt like they needed um, marketing branding strategy. And I'm like, nah, you guys need customer experience stuff. So how can we design that to fit the young consumer? And then once you get that right, then that'll bleed into marketing and branding. And then that's when we can focus on that. So basically what we focus on is uh, high-level marketing branding strategy and really just high-level creative. So Sprint came to us and we're like, hey, how can we solve... Uh, like making our brand cool, fun, relevant, and engaging again. And for us, that like we worked with Sprint to create the hashtag Live Unlimited campaign, which which we're, we've done a few pretty big projects, but we're launching a big video project, right? So 
it's kind of like they give us their problem based on what they know we can do. And then we go and solve it. It's very, it's very vague, which is a very good and bad yeah. thing. But, it, but it's a proxy for us to really have an impact on multiple different kinds of businesses. Like we can work with the UN and we can work with Sprint. We can work with PepsiCo and we can work with governments. Like, like that's, that's the level of, like, a vertical that I'm trying to hit, at least. Um, and I really think that we can do a lot of damage. So that's the kind of stuff we're doing with them. Um, so, yeah. And, and you keep saying we. So what's your, what's your team oh, and company look like? So <laughs> when I say we, I mean, so I have a bunch of uh, contractors that I work with on a monthly basis as, like, a creative, like, kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I like, I just have a ton of random, like, people that I'll bring in or pay for certain projects and stuff like that. When I say we, it's not like I probably only have one full-time employee like that I'll work with, but I have like, I'd say 10 to 15 different contractors right, sure. that I'll work with on various different projects, vendors, just different things like that. So Do you have an office somewhere? Um, I actually don't. Um, I didn't really I see the need for an office. Like I, I really love like coffee shops. I, I'm a lot more productive in social settings and in an office. I feel like I'm boxed in. And stuff like that. So. I like a little bit of noise, actually. And as we record yeah. this, we're sitting in a co-working space that is in the back of a coffee shop. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so I, well, okay. So, when you're marketing or I guess crafting things for people mm-hmm. of Gen Z, how does like how does a car company you know market to yeah. a twelve year old? So, I don't. See, here's the misconception that a lot of people get with generational marketing, and and I don't blame them. It's because even the generational marketing experts get this wrong, like quote unquote experts, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 get this wrong. The whole goal, the goal is to like connect with the generation, but the goal isn't to connect with the generation to get them to buy your stuff. The goal to connect with Generation Z is to create a youthful brand because having a youthful brand is something that all generations can resonate with, taste and cool. And having a youthful brand breeds coolness, fun and relevance, which are the, which I think are the three most powerful adjectives in business right now. And it just so happens that Generation Z is America's youngest possible generation, right? So in order to create a youthful brand, it has to start with Generation Z. So 15 years ago, I would have been like millennials. You need to connect with them in order to create a youthful brand. My, the goal isn't necessarily to get Generation Z to buy your stuff unless, unless you're selling directly to them. The goal is to create a youthful brand because for the first time in history, youth are considered authority figures based on their access to information and technology. And what's even crazier is my mom who's 48, is acting how my 16-year-old sister is on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> so how are characteristics That's bleeding true. into the marketplace as well um, and really creating something truly powerful that everyone can do? Well, so that, I mean, I do totally see that. Obviously, you said like the Real Housewives of New York and all of them at that age. But uh, generally, I thought that Instagram is more of a, if you're trying to market to more younger people. Yep. But I guess that's true. You do see all these mm-hmm. much older generations on it. So, so they're mingling in the same places. It, yeah, and, and it, it's crazy how fast it's happening. So Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Snapchat all started out with high school and college kids. And now my grandma's asking me how to make an Instagram. So it's like the same way that we're seeing social media bleed through as an age up very quickly and very rapidly. We're seeing trends do the same exact thing. Um, and, and it's really, really cool to watch. And, and it's and, and like, that's why I say too, is really studying Gen Z as a proxy to forecast the future of industry and what the marketing landscape and consumer facing landscape is going to look like over the next 15, 20 years, because the, it, like some characteristics are going to take a while to bleed through rather than other ones as well. So, 
Yeah, well, so it's also it's like funny. One of the things that we noticed with our company, as you know, more or less a virtual assistant company, mm-hmm. virtual assistant means something very, very different to different generations. And we tell people of your generation, and they typically think that we're talking about like an artificial intelligence, like yep. a bot. They don't think it's a person. Um, so that's always, that's been an interesting sort of uh, realization for yeah. us. So it's funny how these different terms and, and people take them granted. I think mean different things at different ages. Uh, we just had this actually the category that Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, would fall mm-hmm. under is Personal Information Manager (PIM). I said that to my team the other day, and they're all different ages, but half the people <laughs> didn't know what I was talking about. And it's like exactly. that's what I yeah. So uh, as technology changes, I'm sure that that's a sort of an interesting struggle for you. So when people are designing products too, I guess cars is a really relevant example yeah. of this also. The things that they end up putting, like the features, does that is that something that plays into what you do? It's it's interesting. So seventy seven percent of Gen Z would rather talk in person and have an in person conversation than text, email or social media. Really? Okay. Because so we we're the first generation that can FaceTime our mom, order a pizza and text our friend all at the same time. So we've grown up in a world where we where we have constant access to the, like to information and technology the first truly digital intuitive generation right. so no longer is the phone like separate from us and, and a tool that we use it's truly integrated into our life now because we've become so synonymous as humans with technology we see the very rapid benefits to just talking human interaction and um, millennials aren't that way no. because they've adapted to technology. So when they were born, they weren't able to like FaceTime their mom and do like do all this crazy stuff from the time they were born. They had laptops, iPods, iPads, iPhone, da da da. And it's it's a very subtle change, but these very minor instances can like if you if you don't pay attention to these very minor instances. You you could be creating a potentially catastrophic atmosphere for how you're wording certain things, or how your product is, or how your UI is, depending on who you're targeting. So for car companies, I would have to do a lot more like research and look at like, and a lot of what I do is data interpretation as well. So one of my newer clients is the NPD Group. They're one of the biggest research companies in the world. Um, they they get POS data from pretty much every single retailer, right? And it's about okay, so they've been in the what business for a very long time. So here's what's going on, but now they're transitioning into okay, why? So that's where I'm coming in, and a lot of their analysts are coming in. So we're looking at that piece of data and saying, all right, that's the what, but how and why? So what does that mean? How do we apply that? How's that interpreted? And it's this interesting thing as well. It's like, Connor, like, what, like, you're 17, like, we get it, but can't an older person just do what you do? Yeah, but they'll really mess it up. Like, <laughs> like, and, and like, like, I call it the pie theory. So you're 34, I'm 17. We're both looking at a piece of pie in front of us. Let's say you really hate pie, but I really love pie. Based on our previous life experiences, we're both interpreting the same reality in front of us differently, even though it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with data. If we have a piece of data about young people in front of us, based on your life experiences and based on mine, we're going to be looking at the same thing through different lenses. So I'm entrenched in it every day I live it. So... I'm going to be able to interpret, and especially since I have a marketing branding background, I'm going to be able to interpret that meaningfully and apply it to a marketing branding strategy way better than you can because you're going to misconstrue the information just because you interpret it differently, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So are there, I mean, are there companies that, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a specific example, that, uh, well, okay, like, like, a, like Durex, for example. 
right, or Trojan would be a really good huh. one where they do. I mean, it's important, yeah. obviously, that they're marketing to a generation like yours, but it's a very different kind of thing. Uh, is that have you ever worked in any industries like that? Um, no, but I would love to work with them because I think I'd kill it for them because it's like it's the whole essence of creating the cool brand. Yeah. Like I think like I want to write this next book on why cool brands win because being like it's a very simple adjective being cool, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so complex at the same time. So what does being cool mean? Cool is something that everyone wants to be, but and it's something that everyone has seen and can taste and is relevant, but how do you really create that for a brand? I think Trojan has done an excellent job of that with what they did with Lil Dicky. I'm not sure if you've seen no. any of their recent stuff, but it's, it's insane. Like They're going so in the right direction, but I think that I can just push them further. So companies like that who are like on the border of like they they're kind of figuring it out. I just think I can like just push them over the edge. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't yet. But I'm I'm really diving into like like just personally like sales, yeah. like lead gen, like being like all right. Now that we we've got the work, we've got the experience, the credibility. Like let's just get clients and kill it for them. So because like yeah, because again, like companies like that, it is it's like clearly obvious that they need to be marketing to the much younger, mm-hmm. younger generation who can buy their products, do use their products, and yeah. could use them for life. So, yeah, I mean, this is it's, it's fascinating to me. And so the last question that I always like to ask in these interviews mm-hmm. is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can turn that however you like. Effective. So I don't think I'm effective at a lot of things, but I, th- I think I'm effective at at least three. And those are the only three things I'll talk about. And I would say the first thing to be more effective in – so do I have to give like a specific like – like in marketing, you can be more effective by <laughs> Whatever doing. Whatever you want. All right, I think productivity-wise, the one thing you can do to be more effective is drink twenty gallons or twenty ounces of water in the morning. I've done that. That's been a game changer. Whether it's a water bottle or a shaker bottle, just get twenty ounces in. The second thing is run a mile a day. Um, Ryan Holiday wrote a great, great article in Thought Catalog about the specifics of that, so I highly recommend you check that out. So run a mile a day. How long does it take you to run a mile? Me, like eight minutes, 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it could be nine if I'm sore uh, from lifting or something like that. But um, the third piece of advice that I would give, realize that, like, I, and I think this ties in directly with productivity because a lot of times people aren't productive because of mindset. And that was one of my huge limiting things for a long time. So I really challenge people to realize that they suck at everything, but they're great at everything. At this, like, like it's that it's that whole idea of I'm getting really good, but I'm really bad because I still have a long way to go. And that realization is super powerful and is a proxy for people to really like turn on the engines and be- become insanely more productive and knowledgeable about a certain subject. So awesome, those are great. So, so Connor, where can people find out more about you and what you do? So www connorblakely.com or on Twitter I'm at Blakely Connor. Not Snapchat? I mean. No, no, I think Snapchat's going to be dead, but that's, that's a different, okay. that's a different uh, topic of discussion. So. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.